Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. It's a common theme of this podcast and the stories I share. Diving deep with a highly accomplished person, someone others put on a pedestal, given all the usual signs of success, but having that person share the struggles and challenges they endured along the way, especially early on. Well, Jason Moans is one of the most highly successful coaches in his state and the country, and he honestly shares what he wrestled with growing up in this episode. Let's get to it. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As an all-in-one youth sports management app, TeamSnap helps take the stress out of coaching, letting you spend more time with your team and less time organizing. As a coach, I love to track the real-time RSVPs, which lets me prepare for each training session, and I love to post scouting reports and discussion topics. As a parent, I appreciate being able to sync my kids' schedules directly into my calendar and use the team chat feature for timely updates on where to meet and park. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. There's an old saying, experience is the best teacher. Jason Moans is undoubtedly a very successful high school football coach, but challenges and insecurities from his childhood have deeply impacted how he relates to others. Find out what I mean and stay tuned. What's one thing you would tell your 8, 12, and 16-year-old self? That's tough. My first thought was a little emotional just talking about my dad and just, you know, making sure that take advantage of all those opportunities. I think, you know, I'm a huge believer in playing multiple sports. I would have loved to. I never played soccer. I love watching soccer now. It's funny, you know, as nobody in my family ever played soccer, soccer wasn't important. So I tell my eight-year-old self, go play soccer, go play a season of it. I think that's a good age to do that. I think there's some really valuable skill sets. 12-year-old, you know, as a 12-year-old, like, I was such a late bloomer physically, like I, <laughs> like TMI, but I, I hit puberty way late. I graduated high school when I was 17. I wish my parents would have helped me back a year, like not to have an advantage, just to not be at a disadvantage. I was such a physical late bloomer. I mean, I didn't really start like peaking physically until like my junior year of high school. So I wish as a 12-year-old, I would have said, because we were looking, I went to one of, at the time, one of the biggest schools in the state. And I went from being a two-way player in Pop Warner, all-star on the baseball team, starting point guard on the basketball team, to where my freshman year at this big school, I was a boy playing against young men. You know, I was just physically disadvantaged. And my parents, I think, knew that. And they were looking at sending me to a smaller school that I think I, I would have been, it would have allowed me to mature and not be at a, such a disadvantage. And I wanted to go to the bigger school, my friend. I think in hindsight, I wish I would have gone to the smaller school because for me, there was some insecurity in not being at the same level of physical development as my peers. So I think that kind of delayed my growth as a athlete, as a person, because I pulled back a little bit because I didn't feel like I was on the same level. So I would just have a talk with myself about that. Like, hey, you know, you don't really know much about it. And that's the hard thing about, you know, my parents being divorced when I was young and, you know, not having, you know, your dad in your house with you all the time. It's one of the things that I take pride in with my son is just being there with him and having conversations with him. You know, as a 12 year old, 13 year old, you don't really know, you know, what's going on. You know, it's like kind of how to become a man. And so I would just talk to myself a little bit about how things happen, how things work and, you know, to be confident and not worry about some of the stuff. Cause I think there were some insecurities that I had when I was young, just because I wasn't on the same level of physical maturation and then what was that what was the other age 16 year old 16 yeah 
What, what did 16-year-old Jason uh, need to hear, you think? I would say, man, you know, and we joke all the time as a coaching staff with our kids because we deal with it all the time. But, you know, your first love isn't going to be your last one. You know, when the girls start becoming a priority, don't let them take priority over the other things that are important in your life. And it's okay. I mean, I think that's a hard thing for all young men. You have your first love and it, it just like consumes your mind and you lose sight of everything else that was important to you. And I definitely fell victim to that. You know, we try to talk to our kids all the time. And it's funny because like, you know, and I was the same way. Like, you know, you could tell them all the stuff that you want to tell them about how they should handle this. But until you go through it, until you fall on your face, until you have your heart broken, sometimes, you know, it's hard to deal with that. But I would just remind myself like, hey, listen, have fun and date and have friends and go to the dances and all that. But don't let it take over your brain because sometimes that's hard for the adolescent males to walk themselves back from that ledge. Looking back, what's something you appreciated about your parents' influence as you grew up? Yeah, you know, my mom, she was a ball buster in the sense that, like, she's awesome. And, she, and my mom was a great coach. That's the thing that falls through the cracks sometimes is everybody's like, oh, his dad was a coach and that's why he coached. But my parents divorced when I was really young. My mom, you know, really raised my sister and I. My mom owned a dance studio. She was a cheerleader in college uh, at Arizona State. She started a dance team and started a business, was very, very successful, won an entrepreneur of the year for her category and uh, had, I think, over 300 girls on her dance team at one point. But she was a phenomenal coach, a phenomenal teacher. She was excellent at building self-confidence in young girls. And so that was something that was really cool to see. And, you know, I, I learned a ton from her. So, yeah. And, I, you know, I think the thing with my dad, and it's something that I carry on as a dad, is tradition. My dad was so awesome with traditions. Like, I mean, we had so many, like Christmas Day after a presence, we'd go see a movie. And like, there were certain things that there was traditions. And I've tried to do that. I, I do a thing with my kids every Friday. We call it Donuts for Dubs. And I, you may have seen it on Twitter before because I do a little hashtag. I've been doing it since my daughter was like two years old. And it started with my daughter before my son was born. And now my son's part of it. And we have donuts as a family every game day, every Friday. We haven't missed it since my daughter was two years old. And so just little things like that. I love traditions. That was big to my dad. And it's really important to me. And, you know, we probably have 20 different little small traditions that don't mean much to somebody on the outside, but mean the world to our family. Coach, you have such influence in your community. What's one way that you try to help and serve others and maybe be involved in the community? Do you volunteer at any nonprofits or anything like that? Oh, man, I probably need to do a better job of doing that. I think, honestly, we get our football program involved in a lot of different volunteer opportunities, and we try to use that. Obviously, we've done some great things, but there's a group called Gigi's Playhouse, which is for children with Down syndrome, and we've hosted football camps for them. And so we've gotten involved in a lot of different ways. You know, I think that's probably the next step. You know, I think when I got the head job at 30 years old, and I just was grinding, you know, to build a program, I wanted to build a nationally recognized program. I wanted to not just be the best 4A team in Arizona, but I wanted to be the best team in Arizona. And I think there was so much tunnel vision on just the program building. And I think that's probably the next step for me is, you know, you get to a place where you've established those things that you work so hard to establish. And then you take the next step, which is you start thinking about almost a little bit of like the legacy, like, okay, now I've, I've got this thing really rolling. Now I need to start putting some time and energy and attention into really giving back to the community that supported me so much. And I feel like that's probably the next chapter for me, honestly, is I haven't done it to the extent, like when my career is all said and done, I hope that I can say, when you ask that question, I can list off 20 things that I really did. But for me, honestly, I think Right now, it's been, I've established my roots in this community. I started coaching youth football here when I was 20, 
two years old. I'm 41 years old now. I'm going on 20 years of coaching football in this community. Yesterday was amazing. So we had a youth football game. We were in here. We come in on Saturday morning, 7 a.m. for treatment, 8 a.m. We run and lift and we watch film and kids are out by about one o'clock. And there was a youth football game going on. It was like nine and 10 year olds. And one of my assistant coaches said, hey, there's a guy out here that really wants to meet you. And he's been dying to meet you. And so I went out there and it was a kid that I coached, I think my first or second year of coaching youth football. And his son is now playing on that youth football team. And it's still the same program. So I started this youth football program when I was in college called the Scottsdale Argonauts. The reason they were the Argonauts because my dad was coaching in the CFL and I had him send us the helmet decals. And that Argonauts program that we started back in like 2002 or 2001 is still going. And so this player that I coached when I was 22 years old now has a nine-year-old son playing on the Argos, the same team that he played on. And he showed me a picture. His son's wearing the same number he wore. And like to me, I think that's been my legacy. Is I'd like to think I've had a big impact on a lot of young men, men, young women that have come through, you know, whether it's the youth program that I've coached or the freshman football program when I was the head freshman coach more now, you know, as a head coach at Saguaro, I'd like to think that I've made a strong impact and help shape young people and, you know, have to give them a solid foundation for future success. Coach, what's a value or something that you really try to instill in the young people that you coach? You know, one thing that I take a lot of pride in, I tell people, if you come out of Saguaro High School, you're gonna know how to compete. I mean, honestly, it's easy to be in situations like this and say, you know, I just do it because I just wanna give back and I love people. I'm a relationship guy. I've been a people person my whole life and I value and respect the relationships that I have. But I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not doing what I do because of how much I love to compete. That's what gets my juice going. You know, that's what gets my blood pumping in the morning is I love challenges. I love to put myself against somebody else. Hate to lose, but that drive to not lose is what really revs my engine. So that's one thing I want, I, you know, especially in society now where there's almost a big push to it's winning's not that important. I had this great dialogue with my daughter. I picked her up from school. We were driving to get my son from his daycare and I was asking her about her day and she had PE and they played a game and I asked her if her team won. And she said, well, we all won because we had fun. And I was like, well, that's awesome. Like, you know, I'm glad you had fun. That's what it's all about. Especially, you know, when you're in first grade, you should have a lot of fun. But did your team have more points than the other team? And she's like, no, the other team had more points, but we still won. It's <laughs> like, well, no, baby, you didn't win. Like you guys lost, but it's, I'm glad you had fun and it's okay. It's not, it's it's okay to lose, you know, but the goal is to win. And she's like, well, no, well, my teacher said, as long as you had fun, then you didn't lose. <laughs> so we had this whole back and forth and I just, I feel strongly and it's okay to lose as long as you gave it your best. But then the next time you got to figure out how to not lose. And that's got to be important to you. And that's how I've always been wired. That's what gets me going. So I think that's one thing that I hope that these young people that come out of this program know how to compete. Uh, we talk about all the time, never be afraid to fail. So many people, they hold themselves back from opportunities or from taking risks to try to protect themselves from failure. And we never want to do that. My favorite quote is The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. And just talking about how it's okay to fail as long as you're willing to put yourself out there. And there's so many people that, that will stand back and point fingers and talk about how you failed, but really they're the true failures because they never took those risks. And so that's what I really want for our kids is you're going to come in here, you're going to be held accountable. You're going to learn life skills that are going to help you be successful, but you're going to learn how to compete and you're going to learn how to never back down from a challenge. And you're going to learn how to, when you don't achieve what you're going for, how to take a step back, look in the mirror, reflect, and then put things in place to make sure that that doesn't happen the next time. Before I close, I want to share something special. My presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, and my video series, Model Student Athlete, are thrilled to present our first Coach of the Month. 
We want to shine the spotlight on coaches and youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student-athletes. And our first honoree is Ryan Duber, the Director of Goalkeeping for MSYSA Olympic Development Program in Maryland. A teacher, Ryan played at Hood College and he says he's inspired to coach because it's his way to give back to a sport that's provided him so many opportunities. Congratulations, Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com, and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to must-have app in youth sports. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.